Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. I really want us to think about Jesus Christ today. I want my prayer the whole week was that all of us, including myself, will fall in love with Jesus after this great message. Because it's great, because it's about Jesus Christ, okay? And I want you to maybe read your hearts and ask God to really speak. Say, God, how can I know you a bit more? Jesus, what else can I know about you this morning? What is there that I didn't experience about you? And we're going to look at Jesus being the vine, the, Jesus the true vine. It's the sixth part of our series, the I Am series, where Jesus makes statements about who he is. And today we're looking at Jesus saying that he is the true vine. You may know that this is like the Palm Sunday. We don't necessarily make a big fuss about that it's Palm Sunday, but it's basically the last week of Jesus' life, right? Before he's crucified, we know next Sunday on Easter. And we're looking at the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. In 24 hours' time, Judas is going to kiss Jesus and betray him and head him to the soldiers. In 24 hours, they will take him in. They will torture him and they will accuse, accuse him for things that he didn't do at all. And this is a very important time for them all. After three years that they spent together, these are some of the very last words that Jesus is addressing his disciples. It's a very, very important time. Jesus has something to say and he wants to share it to all of them. Judas just left the dinner some chapters before. And then Jesus knows that Peter is going to deny him three times in 24 hours' time. And Jesus knows that all his disciples are going to run away when he gets arrested. He knew it all, and what he's saying to them is really, really important. And I want us to really approach this, this message. Even, I mean, I know if you've been to a church service before, you know that Jesus is actually going to resurrect. And the Pastor Mark is going to talk about, it, about this next Sunday. But I want you for a moment to just... Put, put ourselves in, Jesus, in the disciples' mindset, if you want. Because even if Jesus told them he'll resurrect, they seem to have forgotten. We know they, they tend to forget important stuff, like I'm going to resurrect after three days. So when Jesus is speaking, I want to take these words as coming from the mouth and the heart of a dying man. Some of the very last words that Jesus is going to say to them. And this is really, really important. So that's how I want, to, that's how I want us all to think about these words. And I'm going to focus a lot on Jesus' heart, on Jesus' emotions, on Jesus' feelings. And I will going to read from John 15, 1 to 17. Now the thing is that I'm, I'm using today a new translation. I just bought this Bible, so I'm excited about it. But I want you to listen, even though you may struggle to understand my accent. But I like, I like this translation very much, and I'll tell you more about it after if you want. So John 15 says this. So Jesus... Last 24 hours with his disciples, he's going to tell them something important. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, Unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. 
If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce much fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. And to be honest, I could just stop here. <laughs> I could just stop here and let Jesus' words just sink deeply in our hearts and our minds and just spend the next 25 minutes meditating on what Jesus has said. What would your last words be? What would your last speech sound like? What would you want the people that you love the most know and do after you're gone? What would you say if you knew that these are your last 24 hours and you're at the, maybe at the dinner table with the people you love the most? What would you say to them? What do you want them to take? What is a certain legacy that you want to leave behind to those that you love so much? And I want us to try to put ourselves in Jesus' shoes. And with, God, with God's help, I want to maybe reveal a bit of Jesus' feelings, Jesus' heart when he says these words and why they're so important. And in order for us to understand this, we need to go a bit back to, to understand the context a bit better. So I'm going to just jump through some verses. You just uh, have to listen. I'm not going to put them, all of them there. But let's go to John 13, 1 and 2. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew his hour had, had come. Before the Passover, Jesus knew that his, his, his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas to betray him. Jesus knew that this is going to happen. And with this in mind, Jesus kneels down and he starts to wash the feet of all his disciples. And imagine when he approaches Judas knowing what he's going to do, knowing that Satan has already took, taken his heart and made him to betray Jesus. When he kneels down to Judas' feet and he washes his feet, what was in Jesus' heart? Because Judas was a loved disciple. Jesus cared about him. And he, while he knows that Jesus, Judas was going to betray him, Jesus washes his feet. He shows and reveals his servant heart to the guy that is going to betray him in 24 hours. He's washing the same feet that are going to run away from him towards the religious people and sell him for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus is showing that even though he knew, knows that Judas will betray him, he still serves him. Knowing everything that will happen, Jesus kneels down and says, I'm serving you even though I know you'll betray me. Even though, that, even though I know that you're going to hand me to the soldiers who will beat me, torture, him, torture me and mock me. I'm going to show you that I came here to serve no matter what. And then Jesus explains why he washes the feet of the disciples, saying, look, guys, I'm God, and even so I came and I'm serving you. 
do this as well. That's the point there. And then in John 13, 21, we read, when Jesus has said this, he was troubled, okay? Emotions, feelings. He was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. After he's washing the feet and explains what he's done, he says, guys, <laughs> one of you is going to betray me. And the, dis- the disciples look at one another and none of them sort of knows like, what, who, who is he speaking about. Now imagine, you spent three years, okay, 12 of them, 13 with Jesus, almost every day together. I would have imagined by now that one of the disciples said, like, I knew it was Judas. Jesus just confirmed it. I knew there was something tricky about him. I knew there was something dodgy about this guy. But now Jesus, you confirmed it. Imagine someone would have said, oh, it's Judas, I know. But no one, they were shocked. Because they didn't even know who Jesus is talking about. And this shows that you can spend so much time with people and they not even understand their hearts. Three years doing so many things. And none of them even understood what was in Judas' heart. Jesus did. That's why he was troubled in his spirit. And then in verse 27 of chapter 13, Jesus tells Judas, what you're doing, do it quickly. So I know, why, I know what you want to do, Judas. Just go on with it. And Judas left. Then while he was still there with the disciples, Jesus tells them, Children, I am with you a little while longer. Where I am going, you cannot come. Then we read Peter's response in verses 36 to 38. Lord, Simon Peter said, Where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will come later. Lord, Peter asked, Why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Peter is like, Jesus, I'm your man. Like, don't worry, I'm coming with you. Wherever you go, I've got your back. You can count on me, I'll protect you. I'm going to be your guy. You can rely on me. I'm your man. I'll be at your right-hand side. And Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Exactly after Peter is like, I'm your man. And Jesus is like, no. You're going to deny me three times. And this is a very emotional time for Jesus. And with all of these things taking place, Jesus tells them, I am the true vine. And if we think even more than this, Jesus even knows not only what happened, but he knows what will happen. He tells his disciples, abide in me, remain in me, knowing that all of them will flee away when he will be arrested. He says to them, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, knowing that Peter will absolutely deny him. His heart was broken because of Judas. His heart was broken because of Peter's self-righteousness and ignorance. His heart was broken because he knew that for the next seven days, he would suffer like never before. He would be tortured, beaten, whipped, betrayed, bullied, and mocked. And if that's not enough, he would face all this suffering alone. Peter, who said that he would lay down his life for Jesus, runs away. And his disciples are hiding wherever they can find a place to hide. He was alone. And in all of this, looking back at the last three years they spent together and looking ahead at the near future, knowing what will happen, some of Jesus' last last words comes in chapter 15, what we just read. And Jesus says that he's the true vine, and he also speaks of branches. And I I just want to show you some some things. It's just grapes, okay, nothing exciting. And they're also expired a bit. (laughs) They actually are. (laughs) From the 3rd of April. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
Right, so many obviously this is a text we've heard so many times, especially if you've been a Christian since forever, you know John 15 almost by heart. But even though so many years I've heard this message, I was always thinking that I'm the vine and you are the branches and you cannot produce fruit. And I was always thinking that I am the grapes. Jesus doesn't say I am the vine and you are the grapes or tomatoes or whatever vine fruit you want to be. You know, there are many vine fruits. He doesn't say I'm the true vine and you are the true grapes or the true tomatoes or the true kiwis or whatever. He says, you are the branches. And I was was thinking about branches. If you remove the fruit from it, this is who we are. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. A branch on its own is weak and may I say it's useless. <laughs> what can you do with this? Can you build a house? <laughs> if someone comes to do something, can you defend against someone with this? <laughs> it's not like a golf club or a baseball bat or something. A branch on its own, it's quite useless. That's why Jesus says, remain in me and I in you. A branch cannot produce its own life. Imagine if this branch says, I'm going to have life. No, you're not. You need to be connected to the vine. If not, you expire. A, vine, a branch needs to be connected to the vine. And the sooner as believers we discover that we are branches, the more we'll understand the need that we have to be connected with Jesus Christ, to understand our weakness and confess our need of our Savior, so to confess our need that we need to be with Jesus Christ all the time. Let's not be like Peter, so full of ourselves and self-righteousness. I'm going to defend you. I've got your back, Jesus. Let's not be so full of ourselves. Because we need to be characterized by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says in verse 16 of chapter 15, You did not choose me. I chose you. A branch doesn't choose to be in the vine. The vine produces the branch. And Jesus says, guys, I've chosen you as well. The biggest decision of your life was the one that Jesus made. The biggest decision of your life was the one Jesus made. When he saved you and grafted you into the vine, bringing you into a relationship with himself. And this is grace. This is grace. If I want to boast about something, it won't be about myself. I'm a branch. I'm chosen by Christ. He did it for me knowing that I failed in so many times. He knew. And even more than this, he knew of how many countless, countless times I'm going to fail him. And even in all of this, he says, I'm choosing, I'm choosing you. I have chosen you. Remain in my love. Remain in me. This doesn't stop Jesus from saving me. In the same way that Judas' betrayal didn't stop Jesus from washing his feet. And man, how many times have we betrayed Jesus? If it's not you, at least me. I've done it so many times. Running away from him, even though he was serving me, loving me, washing my feet, being there for me. How many times have we failed Jesus Christ and yet he's there for us? As God's children, we are already part of the vine. We are already in a relationship with Christ. And we need to continually abide in that relationship. So we have a mission and Jesus has appointed us to do something. If you put verses 8 and 5 together of chapter 15, it says this, verse 8, My Father is glorified by this. And then it says, That you produce much fruit, 
and prove to be my disciples. Then verse 5, the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. The, the way we are fruitful is by being connected to the vine. Yeah. This is useless like this. There are only two things if you think about you can do with this or this can do. It either uh, bears fruit, so it looks nice, or you sort of throw it away <laughs> and maybe burn it, you know? You either <laughs> bear fruit or become fuel if you want <laughs> for, for fire, you know? That's what, and when Jesus says that it's thrown away, if you think that if, you, if, if the disciples know what a branch does, he's not sort of passing judgment on people who are going to burn. He's back saying, of course, that a branch that does not bear fruit, it's like you don't do anything with it. And his heart is this, guys, please remain in me. This is when I'm gone, after the next seven days, I want you to remain in me and I'll remain. I want you to bear fruit. Our mission is to glorify God. No, this is, the mission is this, glorify God by producing much fruit and proving that we are Jesus' disciples or followers. How are we able to do this? I'll tell you how we are not able, apart from Christ. You cannot glorify God, you cannot produce much fruit, and you cannot prove to the world that you are a Christ follower apart from Christ. It is impossible, as the branch apart from the vine cannot produce fruit. Of course, you know, this chapter is not just about it's not just a chapter that speaks about uh, the benefits and the privileges we have by being in the vine, because there there's loads of them, but it also speaks about the responsibility that we have. And our responsibility is to produce much fruit. Abide in the vine and produce much fruit. This is our responsibility. Jesus is basically teaching us to live a genuine Christian life as followers, not only fans. Many people are fans of Jesus, but they are not followers of Jesus. And the way you discern this is by their fruit. This branch can say that it does kiwis, and I cannot prove it now, but if it is grafted in somewhere to produce grapes, <laughs> you know, if, we can, if we are followers of Christ, we'll produce fruit and we'll prove to the world. So the world will look at us and say, yes, I'm seeing that they're following Christ. And if they see this in our lives, then they will want to come to Christ. When we produce fruit, people will fall in love with Christ because he's the one giving you life as the vine. He's the one who gives you vigor, nutrition, if you want, everything. It comes from him. All you have to do is to abide in him. And the fruit will naturally come. This branch here will not start saying, and produce fruit, you know? It's not its mission. Its mission is to be connected to the vine. And the vine that has life will give it fruit, will, will produce fruit by remaining in Jesus Christ and in the vine. This is what Jesus is teaching. Your aim in life is to be in a deep, intimate relationship with me. The rest will work out. The rest will come after. As the branches in the vine, we have the responsibility of bearing fruit and the privilege of abiding in the vine. We must remember that the branches do not eat fruit. Others do. Okay? Branches don't eat fruit. Others do. We are not producing fruit to please ourselves, but to serve others. We should be the kind of people who feed others by our works and by our words. This is why we exist. But how do we abide? Number one, we just keep fellowship with Christ so that His life can work in and through us to produce fruit. And this speaks of a relationship with, from which we receive life and vigor. Please remember this. You can do nothing without Christ. 
We cannot be fruitful in this life and successful from a godly perspective without Jesus Christ. Cultivate that relationship with Jesus Christ daily. This is basic, okay, <laughs> for this message in, in John 15. Just stick to Jesus Christ. Don't start your day without speaking to Him. Do not start your day without Him. I don't tell you to wake up at 4 a.m. Wake up whenever you want, but before you get, get out of that door, please spend time with Jesus. While you are at work, please set your mind on Jesus Christ. When you have a break, make the most of it. Think about Him. Speak of Him. Just make Jesus the center of your life, of everything that you are. Focus on Him. Hannah told me this week, and she said this, all I want is Jesus. And it sounds like cliche, but I could feel this this time. Like She was like, I, I don't want anything else. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. All I want is Jesus. When was the last time you were so desperate to be with Jesus Christ? When was the last time you want to be so grafted in Him that nothing else matters in this life? When was the last time you want to be with Him? To just feel His kind love and grace and just know that He's there for you and He's there with you always, always. The second way we abide is by the Word of God. No, you are already clean, Jesus says, because of the words I have spoken to you. So the word of God makes us clean. By understanding and reading the scriptures, we have instructions for a godly life. Now, the Bible is for us, but it's not about us. The main character and the centerpiece of the Bible is Jesus Christ. It's about Him, but it benefits us. Okay, so I would encourage you, when you read your Bible, it's not about you, but it's totally for you. It's about Jesus. And once you understand Jesus, how, what a better way to know Jesus Christ than through His Word. So remain in His Word as well. Third one, confess, confession of sin and repentance and holiness, okay? The holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews says this. And we try, by holiness, we're trying to become at the present what will be in the future. Holy. It's called sanctification. I'm trying to become more and more like Jesus Christ. When was the last time you fought against your sinful desires? <laughs> when was the last time you had self-control when you felt like doing something you didn't want to do? What, what I did and what I do, I take a, a, a piece of paper and I write right after I sinned. I'm writing the time. Why am I sinning and how I'm sinning and what caused me to sin? Practical ways. So I know that next time when it comes, I already see the pattern that Satan tries to tempt me. To tempt me. It's a, we need to practically fight against sin. Because that's how we are holy. John Owen said, kill sin or sin will kill you. <laughs> you know, sin never, never sleeps. It's an enemy that always taunts us. And you know it very well. It never takes a break. Okay, today I'm not going to tempt him. No, his aim is to destroy our lives. That's why we need to be aggressive against, when we fight against sin. We cannot just be kind. No, be violent. Destroy the sin in your life because it will rob you of your life and vigor and joy that, is, that God gives us by being in Him. That's why Jesus says, abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. And then obedience out of love. Jesus says, remain in my love, keep my commandments. And this is obedience out of love, not obedience for love. Okay? We obey because we are loved. We don't obey in order to be loved. Okay? Jesus loves us, therefore we obey him. It's how it works. Okay? But what does it look like to abide in the vine? Just quickly mention these things. So if you want to take a photo, you can. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But first of all, we need to bear much fruit. Okay? 
we bear fruit when we win others to Christ. Romans 1.13, Paul's fruitful ministry was winning people to Christ. When we abide in the vine, the fruit of that is we are winning people for Christ. Because of course we're going to speak about the one you spend time with. Right? Second one, we are part of the harvest. John 4.35-38, the fields are ready for harvest. If we are connected to Christ, we will go. Okay? Great commission, not the great suggestion, as I always say. All right? This is what we have to do. As we grow in holiness and obedience, we are bearing fruit. Romans 6.22 says, But now, when you have been set free from sin and belong to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. Okay? Fruit. Then generosity. Paul considered Christian giving to be a fruit from a dedicated life. Romans 15.28. Then we know it very well, the fruit of the Spirit. All right? Which is... What? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. May I draw your attention again? It's one fruit. It's not the fruits. Okay? You cannot pick and choose. I'm going to have love but not gentleness today. It's fruit. It's one. It's one. It's comprised of the nine things that it says there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're all in here. You have them all or you have none. I know that all is developing, of course, you know, no one is perfect. But the fruit of the Spirit, remember this. When you spend time with the Spirit, the fruit is one, and it's all of these things, all of these nine. But what about the, I used to think that it's fruit of the flesh, but it's the works of the flesh. I'm just going to read them quickly. Galatians 5, 19, 21. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. They're obvious. Sexual immorality. Moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So there is a contrast. And if you want to, in a way... Understand someone's life if they are a follower of Christ. Just go to Galatians 5 quickly. Put them head by head and analyze. Judge. In a good way, judge. Look. And that's what I'm doing for my life. What, do I, what, what comes out of me? And I'm telling you, sometimes there are fits of anger coming. Not in a violent way. It's more like an implosion for me. You know? I'm not like kicking anything around. But for me, it's like sort of an implosion. I get angry. I get upset. And then trust that's not the fruit of the Spirit at all in that moment. But then there are other times that I just spend time with God and I see the fruit of the Spirit working in my life. When, when, uh, when I argue with my girlfriend, I realize that the way I, uh, and we, okay, it's sweet, but I'll speak about me now. <laughs> the way I deal with this is by spending time with God. And I know it sounds basic, again, it's cliche, of course, spend time with God. But when I'm good with God and I'm so close to Him, Love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness will come out of my life. And therefore, I'll have such an amazing relationship. I spend time with God, everyone benefits. When I don't spend time with God, you don't necessarily to be around me, you know. I'm like moody and stuff like that. It's not nice at all. I'm not sure all of us can, uh, can are like this in a way or another. All right, the other thing, even our good works and our service grow out of, abiding, out of an abiding life. Colossians 1.10 and the praise that comes from our hearts and lips is actually the fruit of the glory. So there's a fruit of the glory of God when we worship. 
okay? Then there's quickly second thing, which I didn't want to focus a lot today, but I need to mention it, pruning, important. If you are part of the vine, there is pruning happening. Why? So that you produce much more fruit, okay? This is the text that says that. So how do we, pr how we pruned? First of all, it's through some hard times, okay? You see people that have been through difficult times, you see a certain maturity about them. Is that there's something that they carry, okay? So don't, don't shy away from hard times. People who sharpen you as iron, sharper iron, just speak with people. And like every time I do stuff, I always, I always speak with the girls. For me, they're, they're sharpening me big time. And I, I love it, because that's how I improve. That's how I become, if you want, better. Or that's how I be, produce much fruit. I want to produce a lot of fruit. But I need people as well in my life to help me, so it's, even though it's painful. But pruning, by definition, has to be painful. All right, so when we are pruned, God's also cutting away the dead wood. Do you carry dead wood with you? Because <laughs> I know I do. And I'm like, God, please just... <laughs> just cut it away because there are insects or diseases that can come and if you have planted which I didn't vines you, you, sure, you surely know they always prone things because if not insects come and do all these sort of things and you can make the parallel spiritually cutting away the living tissue so that the life of the vine will not be so dissipated that the quality of the crop will be jeopardized so we are pruned because God wants us to have quality about our lives there is quality that God wants us to carry within our lives. But that, and God, that goes deep. God wants both quantity and quality. Produce much fruit, but in order for it to produce much fruit, I'm going to prune you. Quantity and quality. The more we abide in Christ, the more fruit we bear. Jay, can you me? And the more fruit we bear, the more the Father has to prune so that the quality keeps up with the quantity. The reason God is pruning is so that the quality keeps up with the quantity. And our mission in life is to be fruitful. God is glorified by a bigger crop that is also a better crop. God is glorified by a bigger crop that is also a better crop. And then thirdly, answered prayers. If you abide in me, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. That's just, there's no interpretation there. If you abide in Christ and you pray, it will, be, it will happen. Look at people's, people whose, lives, whose, answers, whose prayers are answered. For me, they're abiding in Christ. There's something they're doing right there that God is answering the prayers, okay? Love for Christ and believers. This is my command, love one another. <laughs> this is what Jesus wants us, that we love one another as he has loved us as well. And then finally, joy. Joy. You know that be joyful is not a suggestion, it's a command. And probably it's one of the commands that we mostly not fulfill, to be joyful. Jesus commands us to be joyful, and the way we do it is by abiding in Him. Reminding me that my joy, says Jesus, may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Perfect joy comes from abiding in Christ, because He gives us His joy. We spend so much time focusing on life, marriage, relationships, worries, and focus on them, rather than focusing in being, on being connected with Jesus Christ. And the promise of this text is that if we abide in Christ, everything else will sort itself out. Somehow, sometime, I don't know how. And the way we abide in Christ is through His Word. It's being with Him all the time. Let the fruit of the Spirit just be seen by others. Our mission in life is to prove that we are disciples of Christ. Do your neighbors know that you're there? <laughs> Do your colleagues know that you're there when they pass through hard times? Does our community know that we exist? And that's a question that we always have to ask ourselves. 
Do the people in my life know that I'm there for them? How am I proving that I'm a, that I'm a follower of Christ? Okay, so let, let's worship. Thank you.